From Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Wednesday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well on another nice-looking spring-like afternoon. Temperatures in the mid-70s. It's just been uh, beautiful today. I've been saying it all week. Go enjoy it. Uh, it's about to change. But but enjoy the rest of the day. We hope you can... Uh, we hope we can, when, can help with that rest of the day here with the Wednesday Drive. As we've got the... Uh, the, the regular pretty full studio here on a Wednesday. It's Bill, Dan, Jason Caldwell from AUTigers.com and Drew at the controls. So uh, we're we're ready to get things underway. A lot to talk about here I today. Say, I, I can't miss first hour of this show because we've got Jason Caldwell. Yeah, that, that's always as, right. As always. And I don't know if Jason knows about this, but we've got the special... Uh, because it's the only time he's available this week, we're going to get a fly-in from Justin Ferguson at four thirty. So Justin's going to. So we're going to have everybody here in the first and, hour. And, we'll and, just leave. We'll right. just so I we'll just cap things off at five and and lock the lock the place up. Uh, there's, that's okay, right? I don't yeah, mean to, absolutely. I don't mean to spring that on you on the air. Yeah, uh, here, no, but, absolutely. But, but that's uh, and and we can maybe table a little bit of the basketball talk until then. Although there's a lot to talk about, and we can still save some of it. Yeah, we here. can't. I, I don't think we. I don't think we can uh, completely avoid no, we'll, it. We'll get into here it in the now, first but, half hour. But but some but some basketball with Justin Ferguson, who was at the game last night in College Station, and is uh, is yeah. Have, uh, actually, it turns out that and and that's who Alan Flanagan was blowing a kiss to. Oh, he was oh he was there to see. He's a big time observer, big time observer <laughs> podcast guy. So, uh, yeah yeah. yeah. We, we get we get into an awful awful lot. We'll talk uh, we'll talk to Justin at four thirty though. On top of yeah, everybody else okay. that we have uh, in, in the studio right now. All right, uh, let's see. Everybody else, meaning uh, Jason. Caldwell. Well, sure sure, and and uh, Jason being here, and and uh, we were talking, and Jason got the. Uh, first interview with with Auburn um, Athletics Director John Cohen today, so I'd encourage you to go there to uh, uh, AUTigers.com. Uh, well, I guess you can get to it at Auburn Undercover. Uh, or, yeah, Auburn yeah. Undercover uh, and Auburn 247, so there's lots of ways to get there. Right, yes. so, so see that 15-20 uh, minute interview that Jason had with John Cohen? We will have our opportunity with uh, Auburn's uh, AD next Tuesday, right at the top of the show, so we're looking forward to that, so uh, so yeah, we're just getting underway. Let's let you know that once again, our number one of the drive brought to you by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one, and they're also the sponsor of our hotline. You can join us with your thoughts, questions, comments by calling 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the Drive Text Box, presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, which you can't miss, uh, especially on, on a day like today when we got so much going on in the first hour of the show and beyond. Uh, you can get that however you listen to podcasts. Just search for The Drive with Bill Cameron or go to RadioAlabama.net or ESPNAU.com and you can find the podcast center and check out the podcast that way. So we could start with, we could start with the other basketball news, LeBron James, now the all-time yeah, leading that? scorer in the history of the NBA. And a lot uh, today, of course, all the conversation has been, so does that make him the greatest? No. 
That, that does that alone. I don't think maybe no. like, like he wasn't. If he wasn't the greatest yesterday, surpassing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar last night doesn't change it on the on the score. I think it's it's he has a strong case for. He is one of the all-time oh, no. greatest oh, no. players, no question about that. Oh, no. I would say if you were to, and chop off, start the modern era whenever you want of, of basketball. If you want to start it with Bird and Magic and say, like, that's the modern NBA or, you know, for historical purposes. Yeah, okay. You know I mean? Like, if you want to do that. Yeah, players so, that were playing by pretty much so, the same rules. A, a very short list of guys who have had better NBA careers than LeBron James. Like, you think about it like that, the, the list would be... Oh, yeah. No, you're, you're right about that. I mean, as far as... Uh, if you I start mean, with Magic 20, and Bird, twenty years, well, long, long, longevity. I mean, it's and, been and it, it, it's been twenty, and it hasn't been twenty good years. I mean, it's been yeah, I mean, twenty great years. Yeah, twenty years where mo- more often than not his team's in the finals, right? I mean, and, and even that well, twenty years of being an all star. I mean, yeah. he's he's been one of the best players in the league. There for was a, years. there was a decade where where more often than not, I mean, between True. the Heat, between the Heat and the Cavaliers, when he went back, like that uh, uh, that uh, stretch of winning the final, you know, going to the finals. Every year is, I, I'll, is pretty I'll, remarkable. But I'll go the other side of that. Can you be the greatest of all time when you've lost six of sure. those? And and Jordan. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't hold. I, I don't hold it against I, anybody. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm just saying. Can can that's why I'm saying one of. Because uh, there's no way. To, there's no way to go. Like this guy's the same. Because I'm. A, I'm as big a Jordan fan as there is, and I think he's. But I. But I think. You know, there's other guys that are in that conversation. I think that's the way you have to look at. It. I don't know that you're going to go. Well, here's one guy. Well, it's just it's almost impossible to yeah, say I here's one guy. I, I would I would say, especially using the cutoff that we've sort of decided on there with the with the early '80s, um, Jordan's probably the only one that I'd feel confident about saying had a had a more successful NBA career than LeBron James to this point. If you start with 1980s, yeah, when you start you know, in the '80s, I think I think LeBron had a better career than Kobe. Um, I think LeBron had a better career than Shaq. I, think, I mean, you think about the dominant players, the guys who are thought of as the best players. Some of the guys, the guys that are in the greatest era. of all time yeah. talk. Uh, LeBron's had a better career than Durant. Uh, Curry's interesting because of the amount of winning he's done over the last five, six years. It's, it, and I mean, I don't know if people thought Steph Curry was ever going to be in that kind of conversation when he got to the NBA. Oh, absolutely Curry, not. Yeah, Curry's probably <clears throat> there. Uh, Magic and Bird, as we said, you know, at, at the beginning mm-hmm. are right there. But like, I would say. Uh, LeBron and Jordan are a, a solid one-two on on my list of the guys of the last. I mean, Kobe uh, won of, five uh, NBA titles, right? Co- and Kobe's five are, are pretty good. Yeah, now. LeBron's got four, right? Yeah, LeBron's got four, and Kobe, and Kobe stepped into <coughs> a much better situation to begin his career than LeBron did because Kobe, you know, had Shaq and a Lakers team that was built to win right then. LeBron took over a like the the Caval- the year before it was the it was the Cavs and the Nuggets, right? Because it was LeBron and Carmelo, uh, who ended up playing for for those two teams, and those those were two of the worst NBA teams in the history of organized basketball. And LeBron stepped in, and well, it didn't. T- I mean, it took him a couple years to make the playoffs, and there was a year where they were like shockingly in the finals. But it's uh, no, it's it's on the very short list of the greatest NBA careers ever. I, I think getting into was it was it the best or just one of the the three or four best is sort of. I mean that that's you know it's it, who can say yeah right? but it's, but no question one of the all one of the all time yeah. greats. I, here's something I thought of. I thought about this, and I think in I think in basketball there was sort of a similar situation to what baseball had for for decades and decades. I think if uh, in, in baseball I always felt 
Hey, if, if Babe Ruth had really thought anybody would ever challenge him, he'd probably hit another 100 home runs. And I think if Wilt Chamberlain had thought that anybody would ever challenge his scoring records, he would have averaged 30 a game for a few more years. Correct. As opposed to his last few years just passing and being, you know, being a distributor of the ball. Because those were the guys that, that set the records and broke them by... Miles. Yeah, there was nobody within the, the the same continent of those guys when they did. Yes, but uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's a it's an a, an amazing accomplishment uh, that LeBron has uh, has surpassed Kareem because yeah. I, I I didn't think anybody would when he did that. Well, and, and you know, years I saw ago. a question about like the the most unbreakable sports records that that was one I thought could could be done. Yeah, there's some that will never ever be touched anymore. Cal Ripken's not going to ever be touched. Oh anymore. no, 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 no. We'll never no be no way anybody's going to play well, you nobody's going to play consecutive games. I have a feeling Brady's got his name on a couple that we're not going to see a quarterback come around and the, the thing Brady, about I mean, that position now, those guys don't get touched anymore. They're they're you much more they they protect them much much more than they ever I, used to. I think to. maybe individual statistics <laughs> like passing yards and passing touchdowns could be more in danger, but I think the amount of winning he did especially like, uh, yeah, like yeah, that, I, that many Super Bowl titles, you know, for a for a quarterback to win eight, it would take to break break Brady's record. You'd need to win. You'd need to start. How old is Pat? How old is Mahomes right now? Yeah, I mean twenty seven. Twenty seven would be number two if they won. He's this won would one. Be title number two. Yeah, I mean, I mean and, and you think about it, you play seventeen more years. Yeah, which I mean, no, I don't know why people would even do that anymore with as much no. money they do. No, that's exactly could. right. There's no incentive yeah. except for I just. Thinking, I was thinking about today from baseball guys. Uh, any complete game record for any individual right. is gone forever. Oh, you're right. They'll never be touched. No, you're right. I mean, I mean, I went uh, back and looked in the seventies. That's the and, and nobody's ever going to win thirty games in no. a season again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like complete games. They were because there were, there were because pitchers years. don't go but every five days at the at this early and the, only the shortest only six or seven innings. Right. I mean, you know, like the number of complete games for the entire league is what. One person yeah. used to do in a good year. It seemed like there are a lot more records, maybe in baseball, that wouldn't be. I there mean, are some, there are unless some, rules yeah. change, Ricky Henderson's stolen, stolen base. bases. Correct. I think never going to be touched. I think every season we could get into a player breaking the single season strikeout record. Strikeout? And, and you mean by batters? By a batter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah not by, not by that, a pitcher. Correct. Not by every, a pitcher. Yeah, because they're not going to pitch long. No. Enough. No, but I think every, every year a hitter could could set. Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, because I, I remember thinking about like Dave Kingman. Like I'm like oh. Dave Kingman used to be like, and that's oh, no, that, his numbers are nothing now. Just average. Adam, yeah. Adam Dunn. Remember, like people. Oh yeah. Marvel at how often Adam Dunn struck out. And it's like that's. Middle, middle of the pack now in baseball, so and there, and and there are and power records too. I mean, I suppose. I mean, we saw the. Yeah, I doubt we're going to see seventy homers in a season. Yeah, I mean, although, I mean, Judge made a serious enough push into the sixties. Bigger, stronger, bigger, stronger, faster. It's the same. It's the same thing. In, and you know, people, launch angle too. Well, and, yeah, and it's the same thing about thinking about like basketball records. Guys are bigger, stronger. They have a training table. They have their own. You know, chefs that cook them like it's a completely different world. You can play longer if you choose to, and stay at a higher level. DH in the NL, I think, matters too in, in that regard because there are some players that can maybe play 162 games or get at least 162 games worth of plate appearances that wouldn't have been the case maybe in a uh, even a couple of years ago when when the DH wasn't in the National League. The guy I would think of, Bill. I know I always pick my own players for these sorts of things, but I would think Tatis would have so you know a shot. 
at a healthy Tatis playing 162 games, which yeah. won't be the case this year. That's, that's a big if. Uh, well, first of all, a healthy Tatis for a full year. And and he's suspended for the first 20 right. of this year, even if he is uh, healthy to begin the season for the Padres. But but something like that, I think, could could bring make a... a, a an, but that's a that's an interesting thought of what records are invincible and which ones aren't with LeBron. Yeah, we, we can, get, into it, we can get into that uh, when, when there's less going on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there, there, <laughs> there is an awful lot for us to be talking about here on this Wednesday edition of The Drive. All right, we've gone the first uh, 14 minutes and, and haven't really mentioned last night. Uh, as, as Auburn on the road uh, in College Station, and I, I thought played I thought played well but, yes, last night. I agree. I thought that was one of the best, the better games they played. Um, had some defensive lapses at times, but A&M, you got to give credit. A&M made shots, but so did Auburn. I thought there was a stretch. 12 minutes to about four minutes or so in, in the second half. That was as good a basketball back and forth. Oh, it was. As we've seen all season long <laughs> from, from an Auburn game anyway. Um, both teams made big shots. They, well, they'd made plays. Um, it was just – it was, but it was hard to watch in other ways. Well, again <clears> – <throat> excuse me. And I, 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 yeah, it's, yeah. I, I've been trying to clear my throat ever since the show, uh, show started. But, but yeah – the inability to really get a flow, keep a flow going. I mean, there were so many whistles. So 40, many. 44 fouls uh, last night. The game lasted almost two and a half hours. Yeah, and that's the second one of those. There was another one recently that, that lasted about that long, too. And, and it, yeah, it becomes really difficult. You're right, it's difficult to get into a flow. Uh, I thought it impacted Auburn greatly. I thought um, in the first half, especially yeah. after Auburn got that twelve-point lead, all of a sudden, bam! It's like every time down there was a foul called, and uh, Texas A&M was able to catch up without making field goals. Yeah, no. while Auburn was making field goals. Uh, it, that was that was one you don't see very often. Auburn basically won every statistical category. Yeah, they they outshot them. They out. They outfield goal them. A couple I mean, of rebounds difference. On, yeah, just just slight difference, but, but, but fewer turnovers, made more threes, shot a better percentage, all those things, and, and lost the game. And right. I didn't I didn't argue too often with fouls that were being called when Auburn was defending. I thought off, Auburn often. Correct. It was, was the other side. Was, yeah, yeah. I, I said that to Dan earlier today. Uh, I said it's. It's the fouls that weren't called. And we're talking about how many fouls were called. But if you're going to call them that way on one end, I think they need to be called on both ends. Correct. And I think Auburn fans now over the last two games are just wondering, why aren't the whistles being blown on the other teams? Well, and here's the thing. We know that they're going to to crack down when when you do something that is perceived as taunting. As little as it is. What did you think of that last night? I, I, here's that's why I think it's I think it's ridiculous. But if you if you make that call, if you make that call, you got you, you got two make, or three more you got to make. You have last to make night. the other call where a Texas A and M player is 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 talking trash to the Auburn bench, walking down the court, and like with his back turned as the guy's getting ready to shoot free throws. You got to make those. If you do one, you got to do the other. Right. That's the other thing. And you know, it's like to me when KD right before the double technical when KD and and Flanagan. Both blocked the shot. Right, and tried there to get the, little, the, there's the, the jump There's a little contact. Right. There's a little contact. I give it. But there wasn't, there wasn't, there was more contact when Wendell Green went to the basket several times, especially one of those there late. I mean, he got, he got knocked down pretty good. Um, that was the discrepancy issue. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that Auburn got, if you're going to make those calls, call them. And, and, but to me, they let it, they let it get out of hand instead of just, okay, this, and 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 I, there is a little bit too much for me. No matter, it's not just Auburn; it's every game now. There's too much of, oh, you're too small, and all those th- th- those things 
agitate situations and makes it where officials are going to become more jumpy and do those things. And I think that's something that in college basketball you see much more of now. 334-321-1390. That's the Kia of Auburn hotline. We'll get to our first break. Come on in and join us here on the Wednesday Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Wednesday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Jason Caldwell, Drew at the Controls. And let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. Inspector is up first. Hey, Specter. Hey, uh, I need to speak to Jason a minute. I'm here. Hey, Jason. Um, I need to talk to you about prep baseball. There's a young man named Cade, C-A-D-E, Edwards. Are you familiar with him? Uh, where, is he, where is he from? Class, class of 24, uh, Goshen High School. Okay, I'll look him up, but I'm not... Um, familiar with him at the moment, but I will check him out. All right. Uh, do that for me, and I'll talk to you next week about him. Okay. All right. I'll I do it. it. Yep, absolutely. Uh, he's he's a healthy young, young sure lad. I look there at 6'5". I see, yeah, and 6'4", uh, another one calls him 6'5". So, uh, he's a, and he's a, he's a lefty, it looks like. Hmm. Yeah, baseball getting closer, Jason. I mean, we're, we're is, that, is that all? Is that all you got, Spectre? Am I still there? Yeah. No, I, I, you still there? Yeah. yeah, we're here. Yeah, we're here. Yeah. Uh, reason I say that he's second cousin to my wife, and uh, we're trying to find <laughs> kind of secretive about where he wants to go to school. <laughs> so, so we're trying to get it out of him. It's, it's between three schools, I, I gather: Alabama, Troy, or or Auburn. But to find out what you can. And uh, I'll talk to you next week, bud. All right, sounds good. Uh, thank you, guys. Appreciate it, Spectre. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess Spectre would know a little more about him then. Yeah, so, I've uh, seen a couple of couple of videos of him. So he's he is a big guy, that's for sure. Yeah. We, well, we've talked about this. Auburn baseball is going to be a little bigger physically. Uh, yeah. look, looking looking forward to the start. Good news that uh, Joseph Gonzalez looks like everything's on, on track for him to open up next Friday. Yep. Yeah. But he's gonna, he's, he's on a couple of bullpens. Uh, I think they're going to throw him you know, some, some innings this Friday right? and then get him ready to go next weekend, uh, for opening day against Indiana. But yeah, um, that's really the kind of the question mark right now. There's a few positions that they, I think they're going to do a little experimenting early on, but it's the pitching, you know, what it's second and third, maybe second, third. And, and, you know, they'll move around some outfield spots. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, you know, Bobby Pierce was in left field, taking some balls yesterday, maybe getting a look there, maybe Justin Kirby and right. So they'll do some different things. The the questions we were talking baseball a little bit earlier in the week and the the questions about the pitching that that stand out is Gonzalez going to be ready. How early is he going to be ready in the season? Sounds like he's going to be ready to go next week. Who are the likeliest candidates? If Gonzalez, is available all year. Who are the likely candidates to be starting on Saturday, Sunday, uh, with you know al- alongside him? And then who are your high leverage relievers? So let's I guess go with, go with who would be your Saturday, Sunday candidates, yeah. and, and then we'll talk a little bit about the bullpen. I would uh, I would say Chase Alsop would be starter number two at the moment. My guess right now, as for number three, would be Drew Nelson, freshman from Pike Lib, and you know Troy, lefty, right? Lefty, correct. Um, I mean. 
<laughs> yes. Um, that would be my my guess as the third starter, but they got I mean, they got some options. You know that that Zach Crotchfield, another true freshman, uh, that that'll be in the mix there. Um, you know Hayden Murphy's a guy that's got some potential, a guy that, that we'll see some. So that would be my guess for those three guys. And and then the relief side of things. I mean, you got Chase Isabel that that came in the end of the year last year, a guy that that that's that's up there, but. It's pretty interesting. You know, Will Cannon's a guy that I think is going to be on the back end of some games early on. They're going to give him a shot. Uh, you know, a guy that came, comes in from junior college, originally from Central Phoenix City, um, that has some good stuff. And so I think you look at him and Tommy Vale, Vale that that was at Notre Dame with Tommy Sheehan, went to TCU last year, and is now here for his sixth year. And he's a lefty, um, breaking ball. You know. Low nineties fastball. Oh, okay. I was gonna. I wondered if it was just a crafty yeah, lefty. No, he, no, he's, he's, got, he's got a little. Okay. He's got a little juice to him too. But you know, not you know, five eleven probably not. You know, big huge lefty, but a guy that just knows how to pitch. So those couple of guys, um, Trevor Horn's a guy that that could be in the mix. Another kid from from nearby, and so um, there'll be some new faces, new names, and um, lots of them. But that, you know, that's the thing about it, especially early in the year. You play a lot of games, and you're not going to have a guy that's going to eat up seven innings early in the season. So those early season, you're going to have to have more of those those middle arms to come in and bridge the gap a little bit, and some of these young guys are going to have those opportunities. Yeah, looking forward to it. we got uh, softball, softball starting this weekend. Uh, and speaking of this weekend, I mean, um, the Auburn Arena is going to be rather busy this weekend. They're going to be a lot – lots of folks in the arena – uh, with with uh, women's basketball hosting the number one team in the country in South Carolina, and then Friday Auburn LSU gymnastics, then Saturday game day Turn, and yeah 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 you got that I was thinking about that this week on game day I went they got gymnastics at home yeah. Friday night that is a, a an extremely quick turnaround to have everything ready to go by nine o'clock because that place morning. will be packed for gymnastics Friday it, night it, it absolutely will you got to you got to clean turn it over. Change the floor, do all that stuff you got to do by the morning, basically. And I, it, it brings me back to those days of of being in the Georgia Dome, you know, for an SEC championship game with the Falcons playing the next day. And before mm-hmm. we left the press box, they already had the end zones changed and they had Falcons instead of SEC championship. They already kind of rolled them out there. Um, but no, yeah, busy time. And you're right, you know, just. It's it's opportunities across the board. You think about we just mentioned three things. That's three huge opportunity things. You know, women. I I, I don't know that you expect to pull off an upset, but can you go out there and be competitive? Can you compete? Yeah. With 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 your back to full strength. You've done some things well. I mean, it's going to be really difficult because they're I mean they're South Carolina they're juggernaut. So they're good. so good right now. Yeah. And obviously gymnastics just continue to do what you're doing, and then uh, opportunity for basketball. I mean, it, it's there, and you got to have. I want to say you got to have one. You you got to take care of business in the three games coming up after Alabama for sure. You got three games in the middle of this stretch before you go Alabama, Kentucky, Tennessee at the end. Mm-hmm. You got three where you go. Those are those are must wins. The ones that absolutely you yeah. can't lose any of those, and, and you, you really need, need you need to these, pick up another one somewhere. Need one of these other ones to get you at eleven and seven, ten and eight, ten and eight gets you in a tournament. Right, I think now when you're, you're looking at it, but. But to get yourself a little bit better seeding, to get yourself, you're gonna you need one of these quality big wins somewhere along the way. And that's something they haven't been able to get. They've been close, but uh, what what's what's their their best win? It's got to be Arkansas now with Ar- Arkansas Ar- continuing to play. Arkansas, yeah, Arkansas have. at home and Northwestern was the other one. That's that's 
That's really the best, too. Northwestern stumbling in the Florida's, Big Ten. Florida's a bubble team. You know, Florida's a team that people think could play their way Correct. in. But that's that's another best, one. Best win away from home. Yeah. I mean, yeah, best, that's best, true. Best win away from home on the season is the, is the game against the Florida Gators. You're, you're probably no, 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 that was no. home. No, your, your best win. North, like, Northwestern yeah, was at a neutral yeah, site. Yep. That's, that's is, Away from home, Northwestern, it, to me, is by far the Washington's best Washington's not impressive in the net rankings, I don't think. Where's Memphis? How are they doing this year? That that would be the other one, I think, with the uh, – uh, with, with the, with the uh, they're okay. I haven't looked lately. Site, yeah, you're right. Not, not, not a ton of impressive wins with home. All right, we'll get to our bottom of the hour break. And Justin Ferguson's going to join in as we uh, head into the uh, second half hour of the show. So stick with us. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive. With Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the Wednesday Drive. Bill, Dan, Jason Caldwell, and we'd love for you to join in. 334-321-1390. Um, we're expecting to uh, check in with Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer here in a little while. In the meantime, uh, Jason, since the last time you were on the show, Auburn continued its big week in recruiting both uh, football and basketball last Friday. We were last Wednesday. We were talking about the big day. It was Wednesday on yes. what used to be signing day, but Auburn picking up. Uh, outstanding prospects for the future in both sports on Friday. Yeah, you know, obviously we had talked about LeBaron Phylon, uh going to watch him play uh, last Tuesday night and seeing him, and then obviously Auburn adds him on Friday, and, you know, huge get when you, you start talking about a, a guy that can just score. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's what he does. A guy, he'll continue to improve in shooting and do those things, but he faces, you know, two or three guys running at him all the time in high school right now and still manages to score. When he gets into a, an offense where he gets one-on-one situations, he's going to be really tough. And, and so um, and so that was a, a big deal in that 24 class for Auburn, obviously. Um, Tahad Pettiford had already committed. you got big man, big Peyton, Peyton Marshall in there yeah. as well. So that's, that's a really good group for 2024 for basketball. And then, you know, 24, you, you met football and Hugh Freeze, and you go – can you get your quarterback in place early? And they did. And Walker White, um, he was the number one guy. Um, they that's the guy that when the doors opened day one, um, when they were able to go out and do evaluation, that's where Hugh Freeze was. Are we sure there's just one Hugh Freeze? Yeah. I mean, I'm wondering. It's like he's been everywhere. Yep. Uh, he's he's gone out and been on the road, and and that's what you have to do. And he's done a good job of it. And hey, it paid off. I talked. You know, uh, Walker White's high school coach is Eric Cohey, who coached uh, Carry On and uh, Malik Miller and, mm-hmm. and Austin Troxel. And, and he said, look, he beat everybody to the punch. He was here the first day, and they made him a priority. And, and then when you think about Auburn and this staff and all the coaching chops that are on this staff, it made a huge difference. And so you start talking about getting that, getting that guy in, getting that quarterback piece in place, that was huge for Auburn for 2024 class and beyond uh, to get a guy like that. And then, uh, and then he, uh, you know, before he was done with his press conference, uh, you know, he reels off 14 names of players he 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 wants to have come come and join him. Yeah, no, I think he's going to be a big time recruiter for Auburn when you start thinking about it, and that's why getting that quarterback in is such a big deal. Um, when you start putting those pieces in, 
get that you know you can have other positions that are important but there's nothing like having a quarterback to to bring in the rest of a recruiting class we saw what it did for texas last year it makes a big difference i think walker white is we see his personality already he's going to have a similar type impact i think he's going to add a, a big bonus to, to auburn's recruiting moving forward and and then the the other big event uh since since we were last on uh together was the opportunity last thursday to spend with all of the assistants and Coach Freeze. Yeah. Um, just, you know, I've gotten to know most of these guys already, but when you get, you're able to sit down and kind of hear their story, you know, background in coaching, um, philosophy, all those things, it, it makes it hit home a little bit more. It really does. And and I thought it was really interesting to, to, to listen to this staff and the new guys especially and talk to them and, you know, coordinators. Um, you know, you hear Philip Montgomery and, and – and, and Ron Roberts talk, and you, you hear the, I, I say the excitement, but knowing how you kind of, I guess, put it with this roster, because there's going to be, you know, you like you, it's not just where you go, oh, well, this is what we do, and throw it out there. Now you got to find out who you have and tailor those things mm-hmm. to. That's that's coaching. That's that's how you get it done, and that's how you make it work. When you and we heard most of those guys, every one of them said, "Look, well, when we figure out what we've got, then we'll figure out how it's going to yeah, work." Yeah, they and, wouldn't give you definite. Here's what we're going to do. Yeah, uh, because it's going to depend on what they have, what they can do. Somebody steps up here or there. Josh Aldridge, linebacker, talking about look, you know, you, honestly, in a, in a perfect world, you'd like to have this, this, and this. But he said we may play two true inside guys at the same time. May play two true outside guys. Because we're going to play the best eleven players we got, and if you you put your best eleven on the on the field, and then figure out how to make those guys work, and I think to me that sounds like uh, that that's the plan to go. Yeah, and 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 one thing that each one of the assistants said when they were talking, when I, I think I heard every one of them, maybe missed one, talking about coming to Auburn. Um, I mean. They they talked about the SEC and the opportunity and everything, but they all talked about their respect for Hugh Freeze. I, I mean, they, there's that was something I, that I was really impressed with how strongly they all really talked about the opportunity and and the plan that that Hugh Freeze has and how impressed they are with he knows what he what he wants to do. Yeah, how I, he wants to I do. I think it. that and and to be able to talk to those guys after. Recruiting and having seen it oh, yeah, no pay kidding. off, you can see it. And, and you know, talk. You know, and I mentioned something. I wrote something about last week about how the coaches all talked about how how close knit this staff already is, how much fun they're having together, and they haven't really had a chance to do a whole lot. Right. And so that was to me is we talk, you know, got a great mix. Got veterans. You got young guys, energetic. You got guys that have connections to Auburn, and they all seem like they've meshed pretty well together. Yeah. No kidding. All right, um, we, we'll hold off on your calls for a little while because uh, now joining us on the Kia of Auburn Hotline, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Busy week. Uh, Justin, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are y'all? Uh, doing pretty well. So uh, uh, have, have you made it back? No, I am. Uh, I'm currently in Houston. I got a late night flight, a little late night cheap flight tonight. So I'm killing time in Houston before heading back uh, here in a few hours. That's right. cool. Well, well, thanks for making some time. You're on with. Uh, I don't know. Have you have you ever have you ever been on the drive at the same time as Jason Caldwell? I don't know that we've ever been on the air together. I think this is yes. Yeah, no, 
No, so this is we're making history right here. Yeah, that's it. That's this is it the, this is multiverse. J and J. Yes. <laughs> Superhero team up stuff. I, I love it. So so you uh, you were at the game last night, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I know you uh, you were able to, to share some shots on social media. Seemed like a in, in contrast to what we're seeing some other places in the SEC. Seemed like a big engaged student section there at Texas A and M. They really wanted this one. They they saw it as an opportunity to solidify uh, their tournament chances. What what uh what was your take on last night's Auburn A and M game? Yeah, I mean it was a great crowd, great atmosphere. A and M, you know, you have the biggest student section, student body in the country. Uh, you got a pretty big student section to go with it. Um, but they they were good. It was a really good crowd the whole time. It's just you know for Auburn, I think it's another game where it's just a big missed opportunity where you look up and say, okay, maybe if a couple of things had gone differently, maybe the fouls obviously were weren't so lopsided. Obviously, that being the big thing, it could have had a quad one win. And you feel like the Tennessee game kind of felt the same way. West Virginia game kind of felt the same way. USC with you know one of Green Junior. Those are four quad one games Auburn has played this year on the road where they've lost by a combined 13 points. Mm-hmm. And so for Auburn, I think it's I think it's one of those things where you have to figure out a way to kind of pick yourselves up off the mat and, and figure out, like, right now, it's like, can you play awesome offense and defense in the same game? Because that's been their big problem this year. They've had so many highs and lows on both ends of the floor, and last night it's it's the defense, right? You can talk about how bad the fouling was, and it was really bad. I mean, you can't have a game where you're where the other team shoots almost just three times as many free throws as you. I mean, Auburn won the field goal battle, held their own in rebounding, didn't turn it over. They just didn't shoot as many free throws as A&M did, and that's why A&M won. Um, so for Auburn, it's just like, can, can you find a way, can you figure out how um, to get the defense closer to like the, the defense that you played against Tennessee and the offense that you've had in some of these games here recently to click? And, and you can beat some good teams, but the problem is, I mean, last night they just could not defend without fouling, even with a very, very tight whistle. You can still see, especially down the stretch when when Julius Marble was hitting some of those shots, it's just Auburn just could not get the stops that A&M was able to get late and, and pull away with. Tell, tell us about the game Wendell Green had because he, he's been sort of the story, especially in Auburn's close losses, how teams defend him. I thought there were times when he responded to the, the double team or the trap really well. Uh, there were other times when the, the shot selection was a little bit questionable. I know there's been a lot of criticism of uh, the three-pointer uh, at, the, at the very end uh, from Wendell Green. What were your thoughts on the game he played last night? Yeah, so the thing about that three-pointer at the end, I mean, it was a play call where Auburn tried to get him open for a three. It didn't work on the first thing. They run a, they run a you know, one-four one kind of pick and pop at the top of the key. Uh, A&M doubles Wendell. They get it to, to uh, Jalen Williams. Williams catches the ball, has a great three-point look, but he doesn't, you know, pull the trigger. Instead, he kicks it back out to Wendell, and, you know, Wendell feels like he has to force to put one up. He had some time left on the shot clock, obviously. But, you know, this was a wonderful game for Wendell Green Jr. There was a stretch there in the second half where, I mean, I think he had like eight or nine points and about five assists in the course of like, you know, ten possessions in a row on offense. He he really, really took the, took the game in control. He played, I thought, a, a great basketball game. You know, again, shot selection is not great. He's not a guy who shoots at a good clip from deep. Um, more often, than, you know, more more often than not. So I think that volume is kind of a big thing for him. Uh, but you know, this is one of his better games. I think if the free throws and a couple of those shot selections, if you take those away, it's probably one of the best games he's played this season. And Auburn needed it. Um, so I mean, it was just a. It was a really, really good game from Wendell. It's just Auburn's got to have, you know, those stops late and be able to kind of take advantage fully of what they had going on. 
But, I mean, in a game where you hit, I think it was like six or seven more shots than A&M did, you hit three more threes than A&M did in this game, and you turn the ball over fewer times, you can't blame it on the offensive play of, of your point guard, who I think did a, a great job. No, you're right, Justin. I was talking to a couple of other people today, and I've seen an awful lot of criticism of Wendell. From people going, ah, uh, he's always the guy taking the shot, and he's always missing it. And my my response to them is, who else wants to take that shot? Because yeah. you're right, Jalen. Jalen, I thought had a, had an open look. Well, and there was one earlier, yeah. uh, just a little bit earlier, where, where Leor got in a wide open wide open look at the top of the key and, and passed and, and, and yeah. passed it up. In, then, I mean, that's the thing. Kind of we, we have talked about, you know, who is your go to guy? You've got to have somebody that wants the ball. And wants that wants the ball in that situation to take the shot, and Wendell's the guy. Wendell is the the only one. I know yeah. people will cringe and and go, yeah, but but he doesn't usually make them. Well, everybody doesn't make them all, but you've got to have somebody who is confident that he's going to make the yeah. shot. And I also feel like, man, ex, ex, expending the effort that Wendell does, man, driving through the traffic. The way, he's amazing when he's able to drive through the big guys and get those shots up off the glass. And in he's taking a little bit of a beating at times when he's doing that. I just wonder, you know how 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 much le- how much he has left in his legs there by the end of the ball game as well. Yeah, I mean that that was a big thing that that Bruce talked about as well. Just like you know, just kind of expending all that energy can kind of wear a guy down, especially a smaller guy like Wendell. But you're right. I mean, he played he played a great game to get in that position. And there, I mean, it's it's kind of a kind of a microcosm of the season so far for Auburn in that possession. Jalen Williams is open. Jalen Williams is three of five from deep in the game. But we all know Jalen Williams is not that aggressive scorer. Um, you know, he is a guy that I mean, oftentimes it's very valuable for Auburn that he does look to pass, that he looks to create, and he's very good at that for a guy who's six eight. But in that situation, he had the best quality look on that one, but he didn't pull the trigger on. It. And you know what? Split second decision. It's a it's a tough it's a tough break to not have it. Jalen played a great game as well. He did. I mean, that's the other thing is that you you, you know you have a really really good game from Jalen Williams. And since that late game possession, there's a lot of scrutiny on those two guys. When it, when instead, I mean, I thought you know it just could have gone a different way, obviously. But yeah, you need to have that kind of kind of stretch. And you know they called that play for Wendell. You know the secondary option there was Jalen. You know, and that was kind of where they went. The only other guy I can think on the team, and, and I wonder how much we're going to see this down the stretch of the season, I think Alan Flanagan's getting a lot more aggressive with him hunting mm-hmm. shot more often. Maybe he could be a guy that you can give in, in some of those late-game situations, kind of kind of executing like that because he is so hard to guard on the drive, and he is getting better with his jumper here here in the SEC play. So, yeah, that's the only other kind of counter is like maybe maybe you can get a little bit more out of, out of, uh, out of Allen in those situations. But, yeah, I mean, it's just – when you don't have kind of an automatic score down the stretch, your ball handler is going to be the one to pull the trigger a lot of times. And unfortunately for Wendell, he just hasn't had that you know that kind of shot or that kind of big moment. And so the the misses and the missed opportunities really start to stack up. I think in the minds of a lot of fans. But I mean, you're not in that position. You don't even get there with the way Wendell played in the second. Without the way Wendell played in the second half, that was it was just a great game from him. Yeah, fire guy. Uh, before I run, I, I would. We saw last night something. I think we talked about it. We talked about it on our drive to Mobile the other day. We saw, yeah. we saw Trey Donaldson, Wendell Green on the court together. I thought it gave them a really good boost. Didn't see as much of it in the second half. I, I won't be surprised if we see more of it moving forward, though, because I thought that gave them something. It absolutely did. I mean, it was a great lineup. I mean, Trey Donaldson. I think there was a point where he was he'd been on the floor for like four or five minutes. He had three steals and he was plus nine and plus minus. 
I mean, it just impacts the game. And, and you may look at the end of the game and look like, oh, Trey only took a couple shots or maybe only had a couple assists. But, like, they, things just kind of move better with him on the floor. Last night you got, you know, Zep Jasper hitting a couple of big threes in, in there. You know, didn't get as much from KD. But it's like if they can use Trey Donaldson, knowing that you're probably going to play Wendell 30, 32, 34 minutes a game, if you can play Trey Donaldson and say, hey, can you be that spark for us at that two-guard spot? Because that's a that's a really the thing that's really held back this team, I think, from kind of hitting their, their peak and what they could fully be on their offense, offensive side, really realizing that potential. you got to be able to get more out of your twos. you got a one, three, four, and a five that can all really, really step up. Your twos just haven't given you a whole lot. And so putting Trey Donaldson in that situation, giving a different look, getting two ball handlers on the floor, being more creative with what you can do with your backcourt on that, I think it was a really, really good move. And, uh, yeah, I agree with you 100%, Jason. I think but in particular some of these matchups they've got coming up, having guys like them are going to be, be really, really important. Um, so I, I, I do think you'll see that more often. Jason, I know you've got to run uh, before you head out let everybody know uh, what, what they'll find there. I, I, I teased the, uh, the interview you had there with – with uh, John Cohen, we yeah. talked about that, but there's a lot there, and and how everybody can keep up with it. Follow yeah, you, like I said, yeah, lots there. Uh, the John Cohen interviews there in podcast form, video form. You can check that out. Uh, lots of things going on. Uh, baseball, softball, uh, more baseball coming tomorrow, and heading into the weekend. Obviously, basketball as well. Heading into a huge one on Saturday, so you can find it all there. AuburnUndercover.com, AUTigers.com, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter when it's working at uh, ITAT Jason. Ferg, you got a few minutes, or are you uh, are you done for yep. the? Uh, are you done? Okay, yeah, we we can talk a little bit more. Yeah, Ferg. Uh, see you, Ferg. Thanks. Yeah, see you, Jason. Thanks, Jason. We will get to our final break. A few more minutes with uh, Justin. When we come back, stick with us here on the Wednesday Drive. Let's get back to the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive, final segment of hour number one. Bill and Dan, our thanks to Jason Caldwell being with us for the first three segments. Uh, an overlap is uh, Justin Ferguson, who's usually with us Thursday, but will be uh, flying back in sometime in the middle of the night from uh, the Auburn-Texas A&M game with us for a few more minutes. Uh, Justin, before we let you go, uh, definitely want to talk a little bit about the matchup on Saturday and, and a, another tough, tough one for Auburn as the Tigers host Alabama. Yeah, I think Bruce Pearl said it best after the game. He said, you're going to have to play your best ball of the year to beat Alabama, and there's no doubt about it. Alabama's so good on both ends of the floor, and they're so balanced. They've got a lot of different weapons. They play really good team defense. And I think that's the thing with, with Auburn is that when you look at how do you beat a team like Alabama, you've got to have some of that defense that really got, got you in a position to win against Tennessee. You've got to play some of that offense like you have here recently, and you combine those two – You've got a shot at home, going to be an on-fire crowd, obviously, with game day in town. It's the Alabama game, obviously. And it's such a big opportunity for Auburn because these losses they've had here recently in these quad one games, they don't kill your NCAA tournament chances, but they can help you out a lot and like help your seating and feel more solidified. Um, so you don't need to, you don't need to miss all these opportunities here. So I mean, it would be huge on Saturday if Auburn could pull something off. And it's possible. I mean, we saw, we saw Mississippi State give Alabama a really, really tough game, uh, in, uh, in Tuscaloosa a couple weeks ago. LSU hung around for a long time the other night. And of course, Oklahoma just couldn't miss 
and beat Alabama um, pretty badly in Norman uh, during the SEC Big 12 Challenge. So it's definitely possible uh, that Auburn can come in and pull out a win, but it's going to take the team that we've seen in, pay, in, in parts over the last couple weeks kind of putting it all together. And, I mean, hey, what, t- what better time to, to you know, knock off some of the, some of the bad, bad fortune, some of the up-and-down play, uh, than doing it in, in you know, your biggest game of the season at home? No, it's a, it's a huge game. What needs to go right for Auburn if, if they're going to beat Alabama at, uh, at at Neville Arena on Saturday? They, they've got to do a great job of, uh, on the guard play of Alabama. I mean, it's not just Brandon Miller, who's a small forward, but it's not just Brandon Miller, but just that whole backcourt. You know, Sears is having a great season for Alabama. It's just a, there's just so many, you know, really, really good, um, you know, there's just so many really good weapons here uh, for this Alabama team, and you just can't let them kind of rack everything up. Uh, you know, on on the on the on the offensive end, you've got to be tough. You got to be stronger. Um, you know, to to slow them down. And then and then on offense, you just got to hit shots. You're going to get some open shots. You're going to get some open looks. The way Alabama plays, um, you got to be able to value every possession. If you can slow the game down, kind of play it at your tempo, grind them down with your defense, and, and play to the crowd, Auburn's got a really good chance. Uh, but if Alabama gets in, gets in a rhythm, starts running, Auburn's offense gets in a grind. It's going to be really hard to win. Justin, really appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us here this afternoon. I know it's been a crazy time for you. Let everybody know about the the Observer, what you've got there, and what's coming up. Yeah, AuburnObserver.com. Got a, got a breakdown from College Station that you can check out, uh, you know, th- this morning. I uh, got some football stuff, you know, earlier this week. I have some more kind of here tomorrow, uh, Friday, mailbag, and a, a podcast episode where we're going to run down everything ahead of the Alabama game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a great time to sign up because we've got so much going on with basketball and football. Armreserve.com, $6 a month for $60 a year. Sorry, guys, I can't come in uh, tomorrow, but uh, uh, I'm glad I was able to hop on with y'all, and I'll, I'll look to talk to y'all again next week. Yeah, we really appreciate it, Justin. Have a, uh, have a, have a good flight. We'll uh, talk to you later. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Justin Ferguson, uh, Ferguson joining us for a couple of segments. All right, we're wide open for hour number two, which is coming up. Stay tuned here on the Wednesday Drive. So you want to know what it's like to be a college student at Southern Union? I'll tell you. You get the best of both worlds. Low costs and small class sizes. Plus all the perks that come from attending a school in an ideal college setting. Get as involved on campus as you want. Or buckle down and get ready to join the workforce fast. Visit suscc.edu to schedule an in-person tour or to register now for next semester. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. This is SportsCenter. I'm Christine Lisi. A day after his former Cavaliers teammate LeBron James became the NBA's all-time leading scorer, Kyrie Irving takes center stage tonight in Hollywood when he makes his Mavericks debut against the Clippers in L.A., 10 Eastern ESPN-TV. 
In Irving, the Mavs have a star to play alongside Luka Doncic, and together they will form one of the NBA's most dynamic duos, believes ESPN NBA analyst Jalen Rose. Both of these guys, guess what they make you do? Double team. And you can't double team both of them on the same play at the same time, which means they're going to be able to go one-on-one on a nightly basis. And it's going to be a nightmare for defenses. One of these guys is going to score 35 points every night. Doncic tonight is out a third straight game with a bruised right heel. ESPN's Andrew Lopez reporting Pelicans forward Zion Williamson out through the All-Star break with an injured hamstring. At his annual Wednesday news conference before the Super Bowl, NFL, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell said... NFL games will now be flexed on Monday Night Football next season, and there could be further flex scheduling on the horizon, even Thursday nights. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. The sports capital of Alabama. This is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome in. Hour number two of the Wednesday Drive. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls. Man, a, a fun-filled, full first hour. How many? How, how, that was a lot of them. A lot of them in there, Bill. I just realized as I started saying that. Serious alliteration. It was. But, I mean, yeah, Jason Caldwell was with us for the first 45 minutes. Justin Ferguson was with us for the final 30 minutes. And you go, wait, that doesn't add up to an hour. No, that we had both of them overlapping there both of them together there for uh for one segment hope you had a chance to hear it if not check out the podcast you that's right you can check out the podcast of the drive presented by southeastern industrial contractors wherever you listen to podcasts go to your favorite podcasting platform and search for the drive with bill cameron or go to espnau.com or use the radioalabama.net that's right radioalabama.net's podcast center and, and find uh, episodes of the drive that way our number two of the drive is brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. And we'd love to hear from you. We're wide open. Um, just just the three of us. No, that wasn't the song. It was just the two of us. Just the three of us here in the studio uh, here for our number two. So we welcome your calls, questions, comments on the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one, and the number to get you through is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840. That's the drive text box, also presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. I would check out the podcast if you missed our number one. Jason Caldwell was great, as always. We talked to Justin Ferguson uh, for the uh, second half of the Justin hour. Justin was, yeah, at, at well. the Auburn-Texas A&M game last night. 
Yeah, big game this Saturday, Auburn and Alabama, Iron Bowl of basketball, as you guys were saying in the first hour, capping off a big weekend of sports in the Auburn area. You've got the basket, the women's basketball team hosting number 1 South Carolina on Thursday night. Big gymnastics meet Auburn and LSU on Friday night, and then Auburn hosting uh, College Game Day and the Alabama team that looks poised, especially depending on what happens this week, Bill, poised to make a run at the SEC regular season championship for the second time under head coach Nate Oates. Yeah, they're still unbeaten in conference play, 11-0 in conference play, and, well, 10-0 because they got Florida tonight. That's right. They're looking to go 11-0 tonight. This is their toughest stretch. Even with It's Florida at home, and then they come to Auburn and then go to Lexington, although Lexington doesn't look as, uh, as difficult to to handle as in the past. They've now lost a couple of games at home, including last night when Arkansas spanked the Cats by 15. But they've also lost to South Carolina at home. So, I mean, Alabama's got to be thinking, if they can win tonight, can beat Auburn at Neville Arena, they've got a really good shot of running the table in the SEC. They've still got Tennessee as well. Uh, they do. But, but that's, uh, that's, but, in, that's in Tuscaloosa. But you're right. If they can get past these next couple of games, you know they, they have a chance at not just an SEC regular season championship, but an undefeated season in conference play. Auburn is uh, going to be standing in their way on Saturday. Florida going to go there tonight. This would be a big win for Florida if they, if they can pull oh, it It would off. be huge for I mean, Florida. That, they're Florida's, a bubble team. Florida's, yeah, Florida's searching for uh, an, 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 uh, a stronger position in the NCAA tournament, so it would be a a, a lot for, um, for for the for the new coach at Florida, uh, Co- Coach Golden, and, and everything he's got uh, going on with the uh, uh, with with his program. We'll we'll see what happens. I, I kind of like Alabama tonight just because they're at home and, and they yeah, Alabama's be, about a ten point favorite. Yeah, they 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 seem to be considerably better than Florida at least on paper. So we'll see what happens. But and then tonight or the, and then this weekend, Auburn hosting Alabama in you know, one of the tougher games Alabama has left on their regular season schedule. And if Alabama wins that one, uh, they they got to be thinking maybe. Not not just a, a regular season title is is within their grasp, but like you were saying, a perfect season. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That's the Kia of Auburn hotline, and we'll get to it. And Jerry is up first. Hey, Jerry. Hey guys. Um, I was just curious. How many seniors are we going to lose off of this team? Um. Let's see. Alan is. Jalen is. Zep is. Zep is out of eligibility. Yes. Um, Wendell? Is, is Wendell no, no, Wendell's, Wendell's a junior. Okay, Wendell has a year left. So I, I think I think that's it. I think it's those three. KD is still going to be around. KD is a, is a uh, junior. Uh, what about Dylan Card? Is Stretch Stretch and Dylan? Yeah, I'm trying to think of of uh, of, of their years as it's well. Stretch Dylan's, may be a senior. Dylan's third year. Isn't yeah, it? Stretch I think is a senior and Dylan a junior. Well, that's better than what I was thinking. Well, you were it's th- still a lot. It is, and and uh, yeah, that's that's where um, you know it, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, the directions that the staff goes in to uh, try to fill all those spots. One would imagine, just because it's so in vogue right now in the sport, one would imagine that Bruce Pearl and his staff oh, are going to go you know in, it. into the portal. And look around for the best veteran perimeter players available. And I mean, it's it's about the portal. It's about re-recruiting the players you need on your own roster. It's also about going into the high school ranks and getting the best possible high school players. But I'm sure uh, after this season's over, Bruce Pearl's going to attack the, uh, the the task of of, of replenishing uh, the, uh, the the talent he's losing after this year's over. 
Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, so Stretch, Stretch is indeed a senior. Uh, Leor is a senior as well. Does Stretch and, uh, Stretch is a senior, but could he utilize the COVID nineteen season? He probably, he probably and, could. I'm sure he I could. Mean, like, yeah. And the three recruits, they're all coming in next year, right? Well, the 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 ones we've been talking about here lately, Pettiford, um, Phylon, and Peyton Marshall, those guys are 24. So, no. Uh, Aiden Holloway is a point guard who's coming in for this coming year. And okay. he's, the, he's the only signee that Auburn has now. So, there's some spots. There's no question about that. Okay. Well, thanks for the info. Appreciate it, Jerry. And that's what I'm talking. It's going to be really interesting. When we're, when we're going down the list, you've got uh, four or five seniors there. Uh, and that's with no other attrition. You've got one signee. So there's room to really, really uh, add some to the, to the roster for the 23-24 season. Well, and you can't imagine Bruce Pearl standing no, no, by, not at all. Just sort of letting you know, yeah, he's he's not going to let other other places get all the talent. So yeah, he's going to be involved in the hunt for a lot of these players. The question I think in basketball is, how do you even e- even beginning to assemble a shopping list? Right, is when, when you have so many players in the transfer portal. I mean, you can, I mean, I mean, you, you can you can look around and you know, figure out who the absolute most productive ones were previously in college basketball and and who was a big time recruit. But it's so common now for a player to switch schools within their first two or three years. Sure, I mean, you're absolutely right. So There are going to be so many players in the portal. It's, yeah, figuring out who fits your system and who's, uh, uh, who, who, is, who is as advertised uh, once you bring them in. All right, so if, if everybody returned, you'd have four seniors on next year's roster with uh, Wendell, KD, Chris Moore, and Dylan. So, so you would you would like to be adding i would think guys that had a couple of years you know get, getting away from roster management for a second something else about last night's game that uh, we've talked about uh that i think you saw it more last night than ever before was the backcourt of of Trey and Wendell yeah we had talked about that you know when it when it first happened um a few weeks ago and and liked what we saw there are interesting ways of doing it i couldn't really tell Last night, if Trey was running the point and Wendell was the two, doesn't really matter when you've got the two of them in there together. You can swap them around defensively, but it's good to have two ball handlers in there. It frees up Wendell from having to handle the ball as much offensively. And Wendell and Zepp well, are both Wendell, well. Wendell and Zepp are both solid catch and shoot corner three options. You know, right. when they have when they get you know when the offense figures out when the offense can dial up a you know a a play that results in one of those one of those two guys getting a, a catch and shoot short, uh, corner three uh, you feel okay I mean I know Zepp hit one uh, early in the game last night that that got things rolling so uh, that's uh, you know it's get, getting the ball out of the hands of Wendell and and Zepp and still keeping them involved in the offense I think is something that depending on what else this offense wants to try to do you know it it could be. Uh, you know, it, it could be one of the solutions in the half court. Uh, it's not going to be the only thing that, that helps this offense get better. Although I thought at times last night, Bill, uh, you saw a better half court Auburn offense. Than, than oh, I seen. thought offensively Auburn looked as good as we've seen them in a long time. Maybe as good as we've seen them this year because A&M's not a bad defensive team. And Auburn wasn't getting all their points at the free throw line. And I would, I think I, would, I, think I would describe Auburn 
uh, especially if they were to drop a couple of these games in February, I would describe them the way we described Texas A&M going into last night's game, which is a team that if they get into the NCAA tournament and they're an 11 seed or a 12 seed or they're in the play-in game or something, they're deceptively talented for a team with that kind of NCAA tournament seeding because maybe the regular season or conference play, they, they, had, a, they had a rough stretch in conference play, but I would not be thrilled if I'm a four seed or a five seed to draw Texas A&M or Auburn. No, no, you're as my, right. As my first, as my first round opponent in the NCAA tournament, and that could be. Look, Auburn could be, or an Arkansas team, or, that might or be Arkansas, able to slide or in Kentucky there. would yeah. be in that in that mix as well. Though I think those are all, uh, you know, th- those are uh, like well, Yogi Bear was smarter than your average bear, right? Like those are those are teams that are you know those are tougher than your average. 11 seed, 12 seed. So I would think, uh, uh, yeah, that, that's SEC teams possibly playing spoiler if, you know, mm-hmm. the, the bubble SEC teams. And that's what Auburn's trying to, I mean, Auburn's not just trying to play spoiler Saturday, but I mean, Auburn really hoping that they can get that, they're really looking for a signature win this year. We talked about it in the first hour about having a, a quad one victory and, um, you know, that this, this would be a huge one. This could be something that could really propel Auburn because as Jason was saying, you look at the next three ball games. If you beat Alabama, you ought to be able to handle what is it, Missouri, Ole Miss and Vandy? Maybe not in that order. Auburn's next three? Yeah. I believe that's right. I'll see yeah. if I can pull it. It's that those up. three teams. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't have the schedule right here in front of me, but I mean, those are the next three before you close I believe, out. I believe Missouri's the game a week from Missouri's the home game on Valentine's Day. Uh, which is, by the way, when we're going to talk with John Cohen. That is right. The announcement in the first segment. Uh, we're, we're, uh, Auburn is at Vandy on Saturday. So it's Missouri, Vandy, and Ole Miss. And then Ole Miss comes to town on Wednesday, the uh, 22nd. We'll be at Big Mike's uh, for, uh, for for that show. Hey, Missouri's not going to be any piece of cake. That's uh, sort of a short turnaround. At least Missouri's having to travel in here. Missouri's 18-6. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, it's, you, I don't know what it is about Missouri, but you sort of forget about them. You know? It's like, oh yeah, they're in the conference. Oh yeah, they're having a pretty good year. It's it's because they're not right here. I guess there's not much um, mention or coverage of Missouri here in, well, they'll in, be in, in the this part of the SEC. They'll be in the spotlight the next two games because they're in Knoxville and then in Auburn. Wow. They, they, okay, they so play. they're oh well, that's good. So it's not like they've got a game where they can just be practicing for Auburn this weekend while Auburn's got Alabama. No, and they've got A&M at home on the Saturday following Ooh, Auburn. So it's that's so a, a tough stretch, a, too. A difficult three-game stretch coming for a Missouri team that is uh, just uh, just behind uh, Alabama, A&M, and Tennessee in the standings. They're one of two, seven and four. To, or no, Missouri is a six and five. Uh, they're in the, in the middle of the pack, but a, a strong overall record. Uh, because they uh, had a, a quality run at a conference. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We'd love for you to join in. Your thoughts on last night in basketball? Anything that you want to talk about? Missouri's solidly in the conference now. You drop those three, and you're six and eight in SEC play, and and having lost to Tennessee and Auburn yeah. and A and M. And you're eighteen and nine. You're eighteen and nine, but six and eight in the conference. Yeah, that's going to be tough. I, I wonder if, if Missouri finds mm-hmm. themselves on, on the bubble. Well, there so. are a lot of teams. I mean, Auburn's. You know, we talked about Auburn. I mean, if Auburn, if Auburn were to lose tomorrow, and then you know, say, I mean, they've lost four out of five. Missouri is good enough that that a loss Saturday could you know could sort of have Auburn in a in a downward spiral and losing six out of seven. 
then, it would then, take, then all bets are off as to what you're going to win the last two games. It the bottom of the conference, you know, really uh, sort of uh, you know, messing things up for everyone else in the league and winning games they're not supposed to win. There's a version of this. Where the SEC gets two or three teams. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Just beat each other up down the stretch. Yeah. And and you're looking at Alabama and Tennessee definitely getting in and everyone else having to to, to hold their breath on Selection Sunday. And and that's, I don't think that's how this is going to turn out. I think there will be a third SEC team that feels pretty good, maybe even a fourth that feels pretty good about their tournament position. But no, if Arkansas and Kentucky and Auburn were to slip down the stretch, and and Missouri as well. I mean, yeah, there, there's a there's a way this could be a a, a a disappointing year for the SEC as far as who actually gets into the NCAA tournament. We need to get to our first break of hour number two. We'll get right back to the Kia of Auburn hotline when we come back. Dak, you'll be up first, so stick with us here on the Wednesday Drive. Live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 106.7 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Wednesday afternoon, 20 minutes after 5 o'clock, and let's get to the Kia of Auburn Hotline. And Dak is up next. Hey, Dak. Hey, Bill and Dan. Everything going good today? Going fine. Good to hear from you. Good, good. Hey, so was it just me, or was the TV coverage last night terrible? Uh, I mean, the tell me if I'm wrong, but the camera angle a lot of times was... Uh, I mean, you couldn't hardly see it very well. Am I? Am, is that just me? No, I mean, I I, I do think that the uh, the the TV st- set, the camera uh, location, camera locations there are not good. They're up a little higher than you're than you're usually uh, going to see. And they're cramming a lot into that broadcast. Uh-huh. And there were times when they were promoting something while something was going on. But I thought the announcers were okay. I mean, yeah, I, I did, yeah I the announcers were fine. Uh, but one of the things I, that was obvious to me is anytime there was a questionable call, they they hardly ever showed it. You're right. They didn't show many replays at all of that. I, I was really wanting to see some of those things, and and I had to. Uh, uh, fortunately, I mean, I've got I've got the games automatically DVRing, so I can back up a little bit. But yeah, I'd, I'd right. love to have watched it and hope they had a different angle on some of those. So I was just wondering, is that ESPN's fault or is that? No, Something I, with the university. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that's a very good question. I don't know if it's the production crew, or if it's are they limited with the number of cameras that yeah, they had. I, I don't know. I feel like for an, and I don't want to pull behind the curtain too much because I'm not sure about these things. But I feel like for a national television broadcast, ESPN sends someone to produce. But when it's on, they should. When it's on yeah. plus. I think maybe yeah. the university right. no, you're provides right. it. So I think it's there. You know, there, there's a difference between. TV and streaming in that regard. I don't know who's ultimately making the decisions about whether or not to, to show replays in those in, in those situations, though. And um, and no, I I, I don't think it would be somebody at A and M trying to like you know prevent prevent the audience from seeing questionable calls or sure. anything like that. My guess would be they're just worried about not 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 having the time to show it before before play resumes. Yeah, I got you. So another question is for the past two weeks, I've been seeing. Uh, you know the brackets and all that, and and Texas A and M in every one of them's bracket is like a bubble team 
questionable getting in. And we and we've been as high as a seventh seed. But Texas A and M not only has about the same record as we do, but has beaten us twice. Why? Why is that? They had some really bad losses in the preseason, and that uh, that that really got them started. I think a little lower. I, I haven't seen it now after without, last night. Without, I'd be surprised. I, I would say not not only did A and M lose to a couple of teams that hurt your computer rankings in the out of conference, but they also they don't, they don't really have any wins like Auburn has over Northwestern okay. or Memphis. They or have two over Auburn now, Washington, but but out of conference, right. yeah, they, they weren't able to collect those wins that that move the needle a little bit and bolster. I think A and M is outside of the top two fifty nationally in overall strength of schedule because of the teams they played in the out of conference. So it's uh. Uh, yeah, it, 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 but but no, I, I think they've got a chance with some of the teams they have left and picking up two wins over Auburn. They've they've got a chance to. They're not nine just, and two in the conference. Yeah, now. Play, play their way in. It's uh, right. Well, I tell you guys, we. I mean, we're if we mess around, man, we're going to end up being a bubble team. Uh, we we've got to we've got to buckle down and at least win one of these next three home games. Yeah, I mean, well, Auburn Auburn needs to finish above 500 and as much above 500 in conference as possible. That's what I was saying. If they lose Saturday and were to lose to Missouri, uh, then, then you've still got a trip to Alabama, a trip to Lexington and Tennessee coming in. Yeah, that's and Vanderbilt at Vandy, right? I mean, Auburn right now is bolstered by the fact that they don't have a quad three or four loss. They don't have a loss that's looking at it like that. That's dragging down your your numbers. And uh, I mean, the the quad one. You know, they've played quad. They've played six quad one games and lost five of them. But it's still, uh, it's that's not. You know, it, as long as they avoid catastrophic losses, I think down the stretch Auburn will still have the profile of an NCAA okay. tournament team. They can move down from the eight nine line. You know, you oh can, yeah, you, you, no you, question. You can be looking at a ten seed or an eleven seed possibly. Uh, but yeah, I think, that's where I see. I think that's what we'll end up being is 11C when it's all said and done. I feel like Auburn and Arkansas, barring collapses in the next three weeks, both have the profile of, and, and the wins of NCAA tournament teams. I don't feel that strongly. Uh, I mean, we, there's there's Tennessee and Alabama uh, who everyone has in. But right. some of those other SEC teams, Kentucky after last night's loss, Florida, Mississippi State, I mean, I, I might even have A and M at the top of of that list, mm-hmm. even though some of the computer numbers right. are are unkind uh, to uh, to Texas A right. and M's overall profile. All right. Let me ask you an off the wall question, Bill. I've always wanted to ask, and I always forget because I always have so many questions. What happened to the days, like in the eighties and early nineties, when you could turn on a radio, whether it's football or basketball, and and pick up the game at just about every channel? What what changed about that? Uh, because just media, now, you media, rights, media rights deals. Well, right? there, there are there are a couple of things, you, you, and if you're talking about being able to pick up um, broadcasts of of teams on local radio stations, things like that. Yeah, part right. of that. Part, part of that has to do with with um, a lot of the stations, especially especially in basketball, not feeling they can sell the sponsors. It's not worth their time to be carrying that, that they can run something else that either doesn't cost them or maybe they can uh, sell some advertising to it. It's just tougher to sell advertising to, um, something they to, can, to some sports broadcast. Or something they can automate. Versus right, something that absolutely. You don't have to have somebody there running the board. To uh, to run but, the commercials. It, Plus, you've got you've got now the the with the availability and so many people having satellite 
radio and able to watch every ball game on TV with with the ESPN Plus and SEC Plus and things like that. It's just there's there's much more availabilities and it makes it less um, uh, just just le- less yeah, likely that you could sell I'll, it. I'll work into yeah. two, two things about that. One, um, I feel like on college football Saturdays. You can still scroll the FM and AM dials here in Auburn. Oh, you're going to get football a lot more yeah. in this part of the country. Couple, College football and, a lot more in this part of the country you, than you'll you get will. A couple, and, and the other, the other thing is, and this is unsolicited, uh, but there is a there's an app called the Varsity Network uh, that you can download for your phones called the Varsity Network. I believe it's um, it's it's one of the media. Maybe it's Learfield, but it's one of the media rights. Uh, companies and Geico have sort of teamed up, and that app allows you to listen to the local radio call of of different games. They sort of you know they they collect all the different streaming uh, games. So if you if you want to hear a team specific radio call of a game that's going on, you can find it, and it's available sure. for free online. You can you can yeah. find it that way. But but no, it, it, yeah, it's, it's not all over the radio dial like it used to be. But dad. see, things like yeah. that make it tougher for some smaller stations to be carrying games because everybody has the ability to listen to the flagship station. Right, right. All right, guys. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a good one. Appreciate the call, Dak. 334-321-1390. Great stuff from Dak. Yeah, I mean, and, th- and those are those are legit questions because it's frustrating if you don't have the that capability while you're just going up and down the dial and, and you're not able to but I, hear the ball game. So I, you I would used encourage to. folks to, yeah, <laughs> dude, the, the varsity app's a cool thing, especially during uh, college basketball season, college football season, uh, to uh, to be able to hear uh, different, you know, local radio, uh, lo- local team-specific uh, calls, you know, when uh, when when games get tight, uh, those are uh, those, those are sometimes those guys are uh, not speaking from experience or anything, but those guys can be hanging on for. Well, I'll, I'll use that. Of, I'll uh, use that when it's so when it's frustrating when I do have one of the one of those things. If I'm in the car and and there's there's like I want to listen to something from far away and the uh, and and the the satellite doesn't have that ball game. A and M, by the way, two quad four losses. That's is, why they were so. So low, and and they've been listed as a bubble team. All right, we'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Still plenty of time for you to join in here on the Wednesday Drive. Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final 25 minutes here on this Wednesday afternoon with Bill and Dan. And back to the Kia of Auburn hotline. We go in text. Is up next. Hey, Tex. Hey, Tex. Hey, guys. I hope y'all don't get this mess we're dealing with right now. It's uh, heavy 
storms and tornadoes and everything else. Oh, believe, great. I well, be- I think we're going to get a lot of rain here over the next few days. Yeah, I believe the next three days, yeah. The you know, more, more often than not, there's going to be rain. And I'm, I'm headed to Monroe at the end of the week, Tech, so I'm probably driving right into it. What did you do wrong? I know, I know. <laughs> got to talk to the got to talk to the Sun Belt Commissioner and see what's uh, yeah. uh, see, see what we got to do to avoid that trip. And now we're playing uh, uh, we're, we're playing in that in that in that interesting gym on uh, on Saturday. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Monroe is not really considered Louisiana. That's East Texas, so uh, they they act different. They it's just different up at that part of the state. So. Uh, we had a, Cindy has a real good friend who was an All-American there back in the day who's from South Korea, one of the famous Olympians from South Korea, uh, who used to be an assistant coach there, who now coaches at a school in Hawaii somewhere. I don't wow. know if he got that gig. But, but anyway, so uh, a couple questions. Number one, can you make sure it doesn't rain next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? Man, I wish. Uh, and, Have you looked at the forecast? It doesn't look great. I know, but uh, 70 degrees with no humidity and no rain. Uh, that's all I asked for. You know, we'd lo- would, would, anyway. love a, would love a day like today. Ab- oh, yeah, I mean, no ab- kidding. Ab- 75 absolute, today. Absolutely perfect. 75 here today. today. Just beautiful. Oh, geez. So, I got a question, Bill, and I think I sent this to you last night. In the game of baseball, if you show up an umpire or you argue balls and strikes with them, there's ways to argue where people don't know that you're doing it, right. but it's often known that they don't ever forget that you argue about those balls and strikes. And if you're at the plate, the strike zone expands. If you're behind the plate, the strike zone narrows. We have a couple players that on the basketball team that tend to uh, openly question officials when when they get think they get hit shooting a basketball, and it very well may have been getting hit. Do you think we've gotten to the point where maybe they're just ignoring us? That's a good question. I mean, you do wonder about that. Uh, I would I would wonder about it more if I felt like Auburn's the only team that's got a player or two that might do that. I mean, Tex, I'm sure you're... But, players, but, but the officials know who they're calling. I mean, the officials know the players. I'm sure you're familiar yeah. with the story of the boy who cried wolf, right? And and that's that. the, yeah. the, the concern would be that if... if if it becomes, if the criticism becomes constant from a player or a coach, I think what you just said is exactly right. That that officials will tune it out because it's mm-hmm. it's a steady stream and not just uh, it's something that that pops up when there's genuinely an emergency or genuinely a mistake. So that's uh yeah I think I think that's that's something to worry about. In, you know when you see Auburn uh, maybe not getting. Uh, uh, the, the respect or the fair share or whatever you want to call it, uh, especially I thought offensively last night when Auburn had the ball, uh, there there wasn't really uh, you know it was it was it was really tough for Auburn to draw a foul even though you saw a lot of contact. I thought there was a lot of jujitsu matches underneath and we weren't the ones with the with the visible grabs. Yeah, so, uh, Auburn was anyway, being jitsued. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. yeah, they were being jujitsu. <laughs> so. Uh, and here's the the other thing I think is when fifty fifty calls happen, it appears that we don't get a whole lot of those, and it's often the two guys that I'm talking about that may be a little overzealous in their complaining, and and I understand. I mean, you you want it to be called fair, so that leads me to my other question: When are we going to get to the point 
when officials have the same responsibility as players and coaches post-game, which means they have to face the press. You know, I, I understand. I mean, I've, I've, well, heard, I've heard that question yeah, for a long time. I, I do in every wonder, sport. I do wonder how much it would change. I, 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 under, no, I understand the satisfaction folks would get out of hearing an explanation. Um, I would even, you know, I, I, I do think that there have been improvements as far as conferences and professional leagues sort of acknowledging when mistakes were made and what the correct call should have been. You know, that's sort of a step in the right direction. Uh, but I, I have a feeling you're going to get a lot of, uh, I don't recalls and Fifth Amendments, right? With, if you, if you start mm-hmm. putting, if you start putting the referees in front of a, in front of a crowd, you know, for, for a press conference, uh, following the game. I, I don't know. I, I understand why it makes sense, but I also have a feeling it's not going to result in sort of the satisfaction that, uh, that, that folks would get where, where maybe calls would improve because referees don't want to, uh, don't want to have to explain themselves afterward uh, as, as to why they made a call like that. Well, and the only reason I say that, I was never a proponent of that before uh, because... And you were a catcher. Are you were, serious? Well, I, I could talk to him without looking at him. Oh, okay. Uh, so, you know, Tex, so, I've, I always thought... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, go ahead. No, I just always thought, uh, you know, umpires are going to miss... Umpires and referees and, you know... They're human. They're miss calls. They're human. They're going to miss calls. But I also thought the majority of the time they get it right. And if you hit 300 in baseball, you go to the Hall of Fame. And so as an umpire, you've got to be right 99% of the time for anybody to really think you're a really good umpire. But my point now is, is technology has made officiating such a big part of the game because of the technology and the number of cameras. You see things that you never saw before, mm-hmm. and they can slow it down into increments where it is easy to tell one way or the other. You know, that reminds me of something about last night's game. Can they not check at the scorer's table in the final two minutes of each half? Remember the ball that went out of bounds mm-hmm. last night, and they just called it Texas A&M's even, way? Even with every camera, though. Mm-hmm. Like I'd still check well, it. I, no, no, but but even with every camera, it's still tough to determine what was and wasn't a foul, right? Because well, that's because true. What because be, almost everything is a foul. Yeah, because what can be, you know, it's sort of it needs to be established as <laughs> right. as out of the ordinary. But you know, Tex, I've always thought that uh, you know it's sort of along the lines of referees uh, fa- facing the media after games. I like the notion of actually talking to the conference or talking to someone uh, in a position of authority during replay reviews, so we we're not just getting. A retired referee's opinion. We're getting the opinion of someone mm-hmm. who who actually knows the way this thing should go and why. Um, and, and that's uh, that's something that apparently you know there, there's not a ton of of interest in at the at the college level. But but I'd I always I think it would be cool if if conferences took that step of saying all right, well during this during this replay review, someone from the conference office is going to jump on the phone with the broadcast team and they're they're going to walk us through w- what should happen according to the rules. Well, Dan, I will tell you this is my last point. I agree with you 100%, but my issue is is the individuals that are the expert have answered what it is or isn't way before we ever get through with the replay. Oh, you're right about that. I would would just let them do it. They're sitting there. They're looking at it. Do it, boom, and move on with the game because 
replays, I think, uh, is another replay is another reason that games are starting to extend. Oh, they're it's so long now because of that. You're right. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Hey, I appreciate it. And uh, we need sun. No humidity, about 70, 75 degrees next Friday, oh, t- Saturday, Sunday. T- Tex, I went, to, uh, I went to the seafood buffet in Lafayette, uh, La- Lag- Lagnos, Lagnos, and it is... Lag- uh, yeah, you, how, how did I do? Lagu- you Lagu- sure it wasn't Lanyaps? Lan- no, it wasn't. It wasn't Lanyaps. No, it wasn't Lanyaps. We, we got a Lanyaps. I think it's L-A-G-N-A-U-X. Yeah, yeah. L- L- Lagnos, right? Lagnos. Lagnos. Right. Yes, Lagnos. It was, it, was, it was sensational. It was at some of the best yeah. so, so, some of the best food of that genre I have, uh, I've, I've ever had. And I, and I grew up here in the southeast. And that's, uh, you know, it's, I, I think it's on the list of places that places not I really go every, the southeast. Every t- every, Louisiana. Every time, I gotta, every time I'm in that area, I got I to stop in there now. <laughs> Well, look, let me just tell you, next time you go, call me. There's an Italian place Ooh. where the old mom and dad that founded it 60 years ago are still in the kitchen. And I'm going to tell you, seafood in this part of the country is tremendous. But there are some incredible Italian places here, too. Yeah, all right. I remember that from growing up in New Orleans, you Tex. Have, you yeah, have, you're right about that. You have my attention, Tex. <laughs> all right, guys. Y'all take care. Man, I'm hungry right now. And I, Ooh, yeah. All right. Uh, 334-321-1390. Uh, uh, who, who do we have? Mitch. Mitch is up next. Hey, Mitch. Hey, guys. Uh, kind of following up on what Tech brought up, because I watched the game uh, last night, and I was just as frustrated as Andy was. But uh, do these refs get graded? And if they have, like, They're supposed to. Grade, I mean, does that like hit them and, you know, how much they get paid per game or, you know, what kind of games they get to officiate? I I don't think it affects their money. It could affect the games that they get to call. Now, I mean, um, team schools get to send in, you know, they, they have some clips that they will send in to the conference office with either questions or comments or things like that. You're not supposed to comment publicly, you know, as a coach, you're not supposed to comment on the officiating, but yes, uh, you know, I know in football, you can, uh, if it gets to it, you can, you can basically, uh, blackball a, an official from being able to call your games, but you're limited you know, you can't just start doing it and, and eliminate everybody, but but a couple. But yes, there are there are um, channels that that can be used. I don't know how how effective they are, and I don't know how much the uh, the the conference and the officials really you really go by that. But I mean, that's I think that's all the only uh, the only means that schools have. Mm, okay. Well, you know. <clears throat> The old thing is, you know, you want to hurt somebody, you hit them in the pocketbook. Um, but moving on, uh, and you brought this up uh, about the, the the I guess, the ball supposedly, and looking at the replay, and we didn't get to see it, but I think one uh, was off the Texas A&M guy's leg, which it looked like. Yeah. And they they didn't go to the monitor. I mean, now I was surprised. Uh, yeah, that, I just expected them to go over and, and take a look, but I guess they were so sure, even though it didn't didn't look like it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you know, you think maybe we could initiate something like they have in the pros, where you get like two challenges per half, and you know, no matter what time, you know, during the game, you can throw a red flag on the court and say check that because I believe it went off a Texas A and M's leg. 
Well, there's I mean, nothing. I mean, there's. You do that? You, you, I mean, I, I suppose what you could have. I don't think there's an official challenge situation like that in college basketball. Mm-hmm. You could. I mean, I've I've seen coaches <clears throat> when they really object to a call decide well, I'm going to call timeout right now and I'm going to spend this timeout letting letting the referees know how unhappy I am about that call. And when a call is a, a drastic enough, Bill, I, I don't think you would disagree. It's not the worst use of a timeout. If you think the referees totally got a call wrong, you call timeout and you go tell the referees how wrong that call was during the timeout. But uh, la- last night, yeah, there were a couple of 50-50 ones, bang-bangs, where, yeah, they could have gone to the monitor, uh, but th- but they, I guess they decided the referee who, who made the call was, was close enough uh, to the play that they uh, they they felt good enough about about what was called on the floor. Uh, well, okay, and then and then again, I think uh, I think um, uh, uh, your first guest, God, I'm having Jason, um, Jason Caldwell, Jason, yeah, you know, you know the whole the whole taunting thing that we got called for, and then the player protecting him, you know, talking smack while he's walking by our bench, you know, yeah, call it on both ends, you know, just like with the flop against Tennessee. You know, call it on both ends. But anyway, that game's over with. Let's move on. Hopefully, we can beat Alabama. But you guys brought you know uh, the whole LeBron James thing last night. But uh, one that I you know I I've seen forever, and and I mean even back you know when when guys were winning three on games, nobody's ever going to beat or uh, uh, overpass who's it? Cy Young? What did he win? A five hundred and eleven games, Bill. That is the number five eleven. Baseball, it's yeah. crazy how you remember some of those numbers, but yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I think there's, I think the RBI record for a season is like one ninety. One ninety, Hack Wilson. Uh, Hack Wilson, yeah, and then uh, uh, you know that one doesn't seem that, one doesn't that one's seem not going to be touched. I don't think. Well, that one one ninety one ninety in a single season for an RBI doesn't seem as untouchable to me as the Cy Young wins record. No, I mean, no, I mean, you're right. You're I think right. a, a power hitter could have an out, outstanding year. I mean, we've seen guys break one sixty, one seventy, right? In in in, uh, in RBIs, I think in the last one seventy, uh, I don't think so. Really? Yeah, I don't did, think so. Didn't, didn't Carlos Delgado no, have a crazy season so. like that? I'll, I'll I think see. He what, may have had one hundred and forty. See what Pujols' best year was. <laughs> yeah. Check it. Check it. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, but that one doesn't seem yeah. near, that one doesn't seem as untouchable as some of the pitching records. Right, right, and then and then to you know to uh, I guess throw a bone towards Specter. I don't think anybody's ever going to win two hundred NASCAR races like Richard Petty did. Now Kyle Busch has won in the Truck Series, Xfinity, and then the Top Series. He might get to two hundred wins through all three of those, but no one no one's ever gonna win two hundred races like Richard Petty did. Never. No, I agree. I agree with you. A <laughs> Rod had one fifty six yeah, in two thousand seven. That's that is the okay. that is yeah. the most yeah. uh Delgado had one Delgado had one forty five. And and get the, get this Mitch. All right. We yeah. both knew the one ninety uh, the official records have gone back and credited Hack Wilson with an extra RBI oh, wow. from 1930, so it's now 191. Way to go, Hack! Yeah, 191. Yeah, well, 90 years know. later, there, there's yeah. that there's that lost RBI. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, you, you know, real quick, uh, you know, 100 points. I know Kobe scored. I think 82 way back. You know, uh, uh, you know, to Wilt Chamberlain's 100, and then. Um, Oh God! What was another record? I can't remember now. But yeah, or oh yeah, I remember following it that year because because I like to steal bases myself at the time when I actually played baseball. But what what is Ricky Henderson's record? One thirty. 
one thirty. Yeah. So and what what what's the average now for? Base stealing and 60 base is a base. tremendous year. You'll, now. you'll be pretty close to the league lead with. You probably lead the league with 40 60. plus. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. You lead with, it comfortably. Okay. 50 with is great. And, yes. Okay. And, didn't didn't Bernie lead the National League last year? Like 42, I think, something like that. And you said Ricky had 130? 130, yeah. Wow. And I'm assuming he's got the all time record. Oh, yes. Most oh, yes. Bases in a career. Yep. Okay. Hey, we got to run, guys, Mitch. All right, guys. Thanks, Corey. Appreciate the call. Yeah, we, we can we can do that another time. Let's get to break because we got Dan hanging on. Dan, uh, what we're going we're going to go ahead and talk oh, to no, Dan. Just... Oh, okay. We're Dan. We'll be right back. Stick with us. Time to churn up some more yardage on the drive. The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390. Toll free at 888 382 7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Right back to the Kia of Auburn hotline here on the final segment of the drive. Dan has been hanging on for a while. Hey, Dan. Hey, guys. <clears throat> Um, can y'all hear me? Yeah, we got you. How you doing, bud? Okay. Yeah, I could go on all day about the refereeing, but there's one call specifically that drove me crazy. And uh, we, we were watching the game at the house, and uh, um, it was our number four, or obviously our, our center, um, his, his his final foul call. You could clearly see that Jalen Williams fouled the most, and he fouled first. And then at the very end of it, you could see – the other guy's hand go over it. They went to the, the thing to review it, and it should have easily been the foul should have been put on Jalen Williams, and it would have been his fourth. Instead, they, they left it left it on the other guy and, and put Janai. him out of the game. Yeah, yeah, Janai. I mean, we watched it in slow motion, and, and it, it, it should have been a foul call, but they chose to just leave it on Janai. Had they called it, my question was: Had they signaled it on on Janai first? If they signaled it on him first, then it might be um, it, you might not be able to take it off if he did if he did foul him. If they had not signaled who the foul was on, then it should have gone on Jalen. Well, yeah, but I'm saying is it, obviously it's a huge point in the game. I mean, Janai was on in foul trouble the whole second half. Oh yeah, and it was huge board, because Marble Marble was able to have open shots in a couple of them. He just threw up there, but he didn't have any. You know, uh, Janai couldn't contest them. I mean, I mean, you basically put our, our best defender out when 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 I, I mean, if I was going to put the percentage of, of the action, I mean, it was almost not simultaneous, but within probably a half a second, you, one guy's hand was going down, the other guy's hand mm-hmm. was above it. It, it, but I'm just saying, it's like as a referee, it would have been like seems like it would have been fair. You recalled the foul, that's fine, but you, you basically fouled out our guy who who had the least amount of the foul of the whole group, uh, both of the people. You know, yeah. I don't know. And I thought the one where with that they they gave the ball to uh, Texas A&M when it was going out of bounds, uh, it clearly looked like it was our ball. It looked like it went off the other guy. Yeah, and they didn't even yeah. check it. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So. It's more than a little frustrating, Dan. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Yeah, give us a call back when, when, you've, when we've got a little more time. But uh, we appreciate all the calls today. 
And, of course, uh, Jason Caldwell and Justin Ferguson for joining us. Dan, uh, you've got a ball game tomorrow night down in Troy, right? Yeah, might uh, might be able to call in on Friday from the road on our way to Monroe. But, yeah, I got a, I got a game Thursday at Trojan Arena against Arkansas State. And then ULM on Saturday. Uh, we'll, uh, I'll be back on Monday if I can't. Uh, thinking Chiefs in the Super Bowl if I'm not back on ah, the show okay. now All and, right. uh, and, and this weekend. Uh, Carter will be sliding in tomorrow. I'll be back. And uh, uh, Zepp Jasper joining us. Scott Bagwell joins us as well. That's going to do it for today. Have a good one, everybody. We are out of here.